you know, if we're going to make this transition to make healthcare affordable, you know, we have to deliver care differently and, and we can't just add a digital component. We have to use digital um, capabilities to actually extend access and reduce costs simultaneously. And those are the kinds of things that we're invested in. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Isles, President and CEO of AHIP. And I'm your co-host, Laura Evans. Welcome to the next big thing in health, where we explore the big ideas that make healthcare work better for the American people. This season of The Next Big Thing in Health is sponsored by Teladoc Health, partnering with health insurance providers to reinvent care delivery models. To live their healthiest lives, consumers are turning to virtual care for ongoing, complex, and mental health care needs. Is your organization prepared to meet consumer demand using virtual care? Visit teledochealth.com backslash AHIP-2022 to learn more. Today, we're welcoming our first returning guest back to the podcast, David Holmberg. David is president and CEO of Highmark Health, a $21 billion blended health organization whose 37,000 employees serve millions of customers nationwide through the nonprofit organization's affiliated businesses, including Highmark Inc., Allegheny Health Network, HM Insurance Group, United Concordia Dental, and HM Health Solutions. He's passionate about solving some of our nation's most pressing healthcare problems. And I know we're both thrilled to have him back. David, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, why don't we go ahead and jump right in. In addition to one of America's largest Blue Cross Blue Shield insurers, Highmark Health also has a growing regional hospital and physician network in its diverse portfolio. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how the current Omicron wave has affected your health system partners? Well, we're fairly unique for a, uh, particularly a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan in that we do have a health system with 14 hospitals, 3,000 physicians uh, that um, is based in Western Pennsylvania. And uh, it gives us extraordinary insights into not only, um, you know, the pandemic, uh, but, you know, overall and how healthcare works um, and you know, gives us some different levers to pull. Uh, it's a challenge right now. Um, obviously, as we've seen uh, in the news across the country, um, you know, we're seeing a significant surge. Um, about 88% of the people that are uh, in our hospitals this morning with, with COVID uh, are unvaccinated. Um, and then the balance, you know, are uh, typically folks who have autoimmune issues or maybe, you know, are on transplant drugs, et cetera. And so, um, you know, it's creating quite a, a strain on the healthcare system uh, that combined with, um, you know, staff shortages uh, nationally uh, are really taking its toll. Uh, the good news is we're very focused. Our teams have risen to the occasion uh, and they're, they're working very, very hard. Um, the bad news is, you know, we got a ways to go here. Uh, and the sooner we can, you know, get past this, uh, the better it's going to be for everybody because we'll get ourselves in a position where we can right-size healthcare. Yeah. So David, along those lines, the White House recently updated, as you know, their at-home testing policy to require insurers to cover eight tests per month. So I'm curious, are there other actions that you think the White House should be taking to increase the availability of those tests throughout the country and the testing that's going on throughout the country? 
Great question. I mean, uh, you know, Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, I mean, we, we've said publicly, you know, that uh, we will begin Saturday uh, uh, complying with, you know, the new uh, regulations. And, you know, we're working very hard in a very short window uh, to, to figure out how to, you know, to make sure that we can handle those claims, etc. Uh, we're believers in testing, you know, we support the decision. Um, you know, our, our rule of thumb, because we do see, you know, see what's happening in the ICUs. Um, you know, we're on the front lines, we're in the ICUs with our, our teams, and, and we see the, you know, the impact that, that uh, the, the pandemic, the virus is having. And so um, we're real believers in, you know, if you can, uh, if you have any doubts, get tested, um, you know, do it, you know, hopefully at home where you can isolate, uh, maybe, you know, uh, put yourself in a position where, you know, you're not going to affect others if you have any symptoms. Um, and we're, we're working very hard to get people to do that rather than to show up in emergency rooms to be tested, uh, because that's taking away from our ability to, um, to get hands on the people that are uh, struggling, that are, are sick and, you know, who need additional care. So, mm -hmm. so, very supportive of it. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we're going to learn as we go on this one because it was a very short window to, you know, to be able to deploy the, this. Uh, but we're very supportive. As far as other things, um, again, our rule of thumb is use common sense. Everybody should be using common sense. If you have any of the symptoms, assume that you have the virus uh, and start the process of isolating yourself. Get tested when you can. Uh, if we can make uh, at-home kits readily available, as the, as the federal government has suggested, we think that that will be a real positive. Yeah, David, it is a really short window, and I'm glad that you highlighted that. I mean, it's not often that we have only a, a, a few days uh, from when we learn what the rules are in, in terms of compliance, but I appreciate, you know, Highmark expressing uh, how you're going to step up and, and help. And I know that, you know, we're all committed to trying to be part of the solution. You know, this is just one of the um, uh, early regulatory and legislative issues that we're facing this year. We know last year was a very busy year as we were thinking about things like Build Back Better and other efforts. So what are some of the issues that you see impacting health insurance providers for the rest of the year? Well, obviously, the, the Build Back Better legislation has been stalled, but, you know, within that legislation, uh, I think there were some things that, you know, we believe that would be fairly positive. Uh, the enhanced um, Affordable Care Act subsidies, you know, that uh, would be extended through 2025. We think that's important because it creates stability. You know, there, there are tools out there in, um, you know, in the marketplace today that can help make sure people are covered, give them access to care, and maybe help us deal with the pandemic at the same time. And so uh, the ACA subsidies, you know, getting that uh, addressed is really important. Filling some of the coverage gaps with, um, you know, Medicaid, you know, that uh, exist, you know, that, uh, you know, opportunities there that can be addressed as well through this bill, you know, particularly for some of the states that did not have some of the expansion. And then, you know, we think that uh, social determinants of health are going to be an important part of what happens going forward. Uh, obviously, you know, depending on uh, whose research you want to use, but, you know, 80% of healthcare um, and the health of our, our communities and, and the cost of healthcare can be tied to uh, social determinants, the neighborhood you live in, uh, the access to care you have, and the conditions that you're living in. So, uh, so I, I think those are going to continue to be topics. They're going to continue to be very important. And, you know, we've got to you know, continue to find solutions. 
Yeah. And, and value-based care is another thing that a lot of people are talking about right now and moving to, but I know Highmark has been a real pioneer in moving away from fee-for-service care to value-based care. Can you talk, David, about some of the lessons that you've learned in that transition? Well, we are absolutely committed to value-based care. And, you know, um, again, you know, being an integrated health system, you know, where we have, you know, we're accountable along with employers and, and um, you know, government you know, to fund healthcare costs. Uh, we also, you know, have a delivery system at, and an at-scale delivery system, you know, through the Allegheny Health Network. So it gives us really different insights in how we think about things. And, you know, because of our integrated model, you know, we're pioneering uh, a whole series of, of, of uh, concepts around value-based care, moving away from reimbursing for transactions and instead, encouraging clinicians and individuals uh, to take care of their health. So uh, some of the things that we're doing, you know, we have a partnership with Google and Verily uh, where we're actually um, launching new clinical pathways and tools, both uh, digital and, and in-person, you know, to be able to deal with things like diabetes, uh, you know, to really go after it and to give individuals, um, you know, dashboards or early warning systems to be able to help manage their care proactively. Um, you know, we're incentivizing, you know, clinicians through our, our uh, clinically integrated networks, you know, independent clinicians, you know, to get uh, patients and, uh, and refer to the right sites of care where you've got better outcomes, uh, better quality measures, uh, et cetera. And we think that's all important because, you know, if we're gonna make this transition to make healthcare affordable, you know, we have to deliver care differently and, and we can't just add a digital component. We have to use digital um, capabilities to actually extend access and reduce costs simultaneously. And those are the kinds of things that we're invested in. How, can, let me ask a follow-up question on that. How do you handle the accessibility and the digital for people who don't have access, accessibility to, to digital tech, to technology? Well, I mean, we've cert certainly have uh, over the years, you know, we've put a lot of energy into, um, you know, to using phones for outreach, uh, to putting clinics in places that didn't exist before, uh, underserved communities, you know, things like that. Um, and part of our strategy from a care delivery standpoint is, you know, with our partners, you know, uh, we, don't, we don't think it's one size fits all. We feel as though it's a consumer driven approach. You know, so everybody you know, needs to be talked to in a, in a language and in a style that they are most comfortable with. So for some, it can be digital. Um, you know, my 30-year-old son in Los Angeles, uh, he'd just as soon never have to go to the doctor's office. If he can do it virtually, he, you know, that's his pr preferred style. Uh, but somebody who's 62 and, you know, and uh, might be thinking about retiring and, and has a chronic illness, um, they're probably much more comfortable being in person. So for our strategy, one of the things that we've done is, you know, the Allegheny Health Network has built four neighborhood hospitals that are, um, you know, closer to where people live rather than in downtown city centers. They're a lighter footprint, you know, they're more nimble, um, and they're designed to create uh, easier access for those that need to have it in person. And then we have a whole team of care managers and how we uh, interact with people using the phone, uh, and other methodologies, you know, that we're investing in. And again, the whole idea is, you know, people have to seek their own level. And if you put a bunch of barriers up there, asking them to take a channel that they're not comfortable with, 
um, it's going to be a problem. You know, you know, compliance is going to be an issue. So what we'd rather do is engage them in a communication style that they're most comfortable with. So digital, in-person, you know, using a phone, whatever it might be, you know, uh, we're going to use the approach that's best for them. You know, that, that Laura's question was a per, sort of perfect lead into the next one because it touches on um, issues with respect to health equity and access to whether it's technology, access to care. And I know um, you and the entire Highmark team, you know, feel very passionately about addressing health equity uh, to address some of the social factors that impact members' health. And when I think about also Highmark Health and the diversity of, you know, your markets, right? You have urban, you have rural, you have, I mean, you've got it all uh, in the constituencies and the customers that you serve. I mean, how are you thinking about addressing those issues and how, what is Highmark doing in that regard? Well, first of all, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, we go from, I mean, we're in New York, we're in Pennsylvania, we're in, in big cities, we're in uh, West Virginia, uh, we're in Delaware. And, you know, we have a real blend of, you know, of, um, you know, members that, you know, that uh, trust us to, to help them manage their care and, and, and to make care available. And as I said before, it's not one size fits all. The issues in rural communities and farm um, farm areas uh, are much more um, you know, challenging, maybe, to get people their access to care than it is in some of the bigger cities. So what we've done is we've partnered with others. We believe very strongly at Highmark that um, you know that we have to find like-minded organizations who believe in the mission, who want to improve quality, they want to improve outcomes, um, but they also want to do it with the, uh, the filter of affordability. And when we talk about affordability, we're talking about household affordability. So the ability for families to be able to pay co-pays, to be able to pay their insurance, and to have access to care when they need it. So, so it's all about partnerships. Uh, there's no one organization, you know, and, and you know, somebody pointed out to me the other day that, you know, Highmark, if we were a public, would be bigger than Starbucks uh, on the Fortune 500. And you know, so that puts us in a pretty good position to have impact because of, of the density we have and the, and the capabilities we have, but there's no one who's big enough to go it alone. And so our whole approach is to find you know, partners who have expertise in delivering care in a local market um, and work with them on these value concepts and, and give them incentives you know, to take um, a different approach, to move away from fee for service and instead uh, focus on you know, the, the quality of life that their, their members and patients have. And so whether it be Penn State Health in the central part of Pennsylvania, um, West Virginia University Health um, in, in West Virginia, or other partners across, um, you know, the country, we're working with, um, with those who want to make a difference and have an impact. Let's take a break to hear from our sponsor. Teladoc Health helps ensure that health insurance providers and employers capitalize on the power of virtual care to meet their current needs and strategic vision. Teladoc Health, the leader in virtual care since 2002, has built the only comprehensive roadmap to drive healthcare value with a transformative approach to virtual care. To learn about the Teladoc Health virtual care transformation model built on deep industry insights designed for real world results, you can visit teledochealth.com backslash ahip-2022. 
So obviously, uh, the past two years have really brought into focus the potential of telehealth applications. Of course, as you mentioned, there are some 62-year-olds or maybe 75 year olds who don't want to do the telehealth thing. They want more of the in-person, but certainly this has become much more popular. Telehealth has. What do you think the future holds for telehealth, maybe post COVID or and perhaps there's no post COVID, but post pandemic um, situation. What, what does the future hold for telehealth? Well, in the last um, in the last uh, year or so, we've paid, you know, close to four million uh, telehealth um, um, you know, for t- 4 million telehealth encounters, visits, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and, and just like everybody else across the country, when everything was shut down at the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, there was a real adoption, a real pivot to uh, telemedicine uh, as a tool to be able to create access. You know, uh, initially, you know, there was resistance among patients and there was resistance, the resistance among clinicians because they just weren't comfortable. And suddenly when everybody realized it was the only option, it, uh, it changed the dynamic. And so we saw a real uptick. And then as things opened up again, it started to drop again. Um, you know, and it's, it's leveled out you know, at about 20% of our overall uh, visits. And, you know, and what we're seeing is uh, it's very, very effective in behavioral health. It's very, very effective in primary care. And it can be uh, effective in maintenance care with specialists uh, if done properly. We think it's a, 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 a critical part of the future. You know, we're going to need to have this in order to create access, um, but it's, it's, it's uh, from the clinicians to the patients, but it's also from clinician to clinician. So for example, uh, Matt was referring to it earlier, you know, uh, we have a highly developed um, stroke program here uh, in uh, Pittsburgh at Allegheny General, part of the Allegheny Health Network. And our doctors there, you know, um, are uh, engaged using telehealth in real time with clinicians in you know, rural sites across West Virginia, Pennsylvania, um, even into Western New York, where, you know, they're engaging, you know, as patients are, uh, present themselves in some of these rural hospitals around the, uh, around the country. And so that's a perfect example how you can get um, specialist care uh, right to the site of, of need you know, fairly quickly. But we think it's going to continue to grow. Uh, it's just going to take some time. And again, you know, uh, the key here is to make it simple. And the easier it is for a patient to use, um, you know, to use a uh, uh, Teams or Zoom or, or whatever tool, you know, um, Epic. Uh, electronic medical records, then the easier it becomes for the clinician as well. So, David, thank you so much for being with us here. We we always ask our guests one final question, but before I get to that final question, I have a, a really burning uh, question uh, to ask you. So, uh, I know you're a, a huge hockey fan. Uh, do the Penguins have a chance to finally get another Stanley Cup this year? Um, I think they do. I, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, they are uh, extremely motivated this year. And, um, you know, whenever you have, uh, you know, uh, Sid Crosby on your, on your team, you know, he's a fierce competitor. Uh, also, you know, they've, you know, they've made some additions and, and I think they're, I think they're for real. They reeled off 10 games in a row, you know, wins in a row. Um, you know, we're cautiously optimistic here and, and obviously Highmark has been a, a partner since the beginning, you know, with the Penguins. And so, 
so we would like to see them uh, get another cup here. You know, it, it wouldn't be bad. Yeah, well, even though I'm based in D.C. here and my D.C. friends will uh, will sort of take me to task for this, I love watching the Penguins fans uh, go to the Cap One Center uh, after they win and, and go on the steps there, although uh, that's 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 uh, uh, always, always fun to watch. But uh, on a more serious note, um, again, thank you so much for being here. You know, we we do like to look at the future and think about, you know, the the what's possible in health. And, you know, from that perspective, what do you think the next big thing in health is? Whenever you have a trend and the pandemic is a trend, uh, there's always things that come out of it, um, you know, both good and bad. And I think the good that's going to come out of it is we're going to see a real acceleration of some innovation uh, in how care is delivered as well as, as the kinds of care. And, you know, it's going, the next big thing is going to be, how do we um, bring those to market and make them affordable? Uh, that's going to be, I think, a real challenge because, um, you know, we're going to see a lot of customized medicine. And, you know, and that's the kind of work that we're doing uh, within our own organization. You know, we're looking to find ways to uh, to you know to provide individual care, but to do it for the masses, uh, and that'll be the real opportunity. I think that'll be the real challenge, Matt. Yeah, uh, affordability, absolutely. Um, David, thank you so much for being here with us today. Really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to you know working even more closely with you and the Highmark team. Uh, failed to mention that uh, in your role this year as the board chair of AHIP. Um, we're really honored to have you help leading our team here. Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate all the hard work that um, you, know, you guys are doing. And, and you know, I, I think that as, a, as an organization, I mean, uh, you're at the tip of the sword and uh, in, in a position to be able to have an impact. And obviously, uh, we're very excited about the opportunity. Great conversation, David. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. With 20 years of experience delivering whole person virtual care, Teladoc Health is uniquely positioned to help health insurance providers put the right framework in place and move virtual care from transactional to transformational. Find out about the virtual care transformation model by visiting teladochealth.com backslash AHIP-2022 to download the white paper and unlock the full potential of virtual care. Thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of The Next Big Thing in Health. If you like what you heard, please follow, leave a review and tell a friend. You can also sign up for our email list at ahip.org backslash next big thing. Thanks for listening and see you next time.